baptism, penance, holy Eucharist, confirmation, holy orders, matrimony, the anointing of the sick. Be with us now as Father Frank Pabone leads us to a deeper understanding of the unique signs instituted by Christ on reflections of the sacraments. And now, Father Pabone. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and we're glad to come to you in this particular series where we are reflecting on the sacraments of the Church and drawing from them some practical lessons for how to celebrate them better, how to appreciate them more, how to spread them to others. This is not primarily a uh, scriptural or doctrinal analysis of the sacraments, although we're bringing in scripture and doctrine, but it's more just chatting about these sacraments and gaining some some insights into their place in in our everyday life so it's it's really good to be with you i i wish i could be personally with you i i in fact have met many of uh, the listeners of, of these programs in the course of the travels that i do to promote the the pro life work and uh, working against abortion and it's uh, it's with you very much in mind and very much in prayer that uh, I bring you these reflections uh, on the sacraments. And we've come today to consider really a, a, a particularly marvelous sacrament and particularly important to clear up any misunderstandings about, and it's the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of penance. It's also, it's also called the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, I remember in, in my parish uh, teaching the children who were getting ready to make their first confession, and this was usually in the in the second grade, these children around seven years of age would be taught about this sacrament of penance. And you know a lot of the new religion textbooks uh, refer to it as the sacrament of reconciliation, and the children seemed to, to learn that word pretty fast. The only problem was that at times when I would be talking to them about the sacrament of reconciliation, when I said uh, confession... They didn't know what I was talking about. So, I mean, I have, no, I have nothing against uh, t- t- teaching them the, n- the name reconciliation because that's the overall result of what, uh, what this sacrament does. It reconciles us to God. Confession is only one aspect of that, and we'll see what, what the other aspects are. But certainly, they should know that confession is the same thing as the sacrament of reconciliation and also the sacrament of penance. Now, as soon as we raise the question of this sacrament, some people say, and and we're not just talking about those who are of of other faiths than the Catholic faith, we're talking about Catholics as well, they'll say, well, wait a minute now, what do we need this for? I confess to God, I go to God when I'm, I'm a sinner, I want to get rid of my sins, and he forgives me. Well, I certainly hope you are going directly to God. That's, that's an aspect of our, of our prayer life. One of the basic forms of prayer is contrition. Asking God forgiveness for our sins. You know the basic forms of prayer. They're summarized by the word acts, A-C-T-S. Adoration, we acknowledge God as God. Contrition is the C, uh, forgiveness of sins. Then there's thanksgiving and supplication where we're asking for something. But sure, we go directly to God and, 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 and we confess our sins. But if we can leave it at that, then why can't we do that for all our other needs as well. In other words, 
if we can go directly to God for the forgiveness of sins, why can't we go directly to him for baptism? Why do we have to bring the child to a priest? Why do we have to go ourselves if we want to be baptized? Or how about uh, for the uh, sacrament of the sick? Or uh, what about for confirmation? Why can't we just pray to the Holy Spirit and come, come Holy Spirit into my soul and that's it? What do we need the oil and the bishop and all the rest of it for? Well, because God has set up the sacraments as part of his church. It's as simple as that. I mean, we can think about different ways to do it. But ultimately, we have to ask, how does God want it to be done? Has he set up a particular way of doing it that he would prefer us to do? And that's the reality of the situation. We can have our sins forgiven in many ways. But the Lord has established the sacrament of penance for us to use and has given to his church the authority to forgive sins in and through the priest. Now, the Lord set it up, and he He did so in a way that is extremely beneficial for us, because we're human beings. We're not, we're not angels. We're not just spirits going around. We're human beings, and human beings talk to one another, and they listen to one another. And so the Lord has taken a human conversation... And he has made it into a sacrament, a conversation specifically when one person speaks about their own sins and admits their own sins to another person and that other person assures them of the forgiveness of God. There is something that we psychologically need when we bring our awareness of our own guilt out of ourselves through our speech and admit it openly to someone else. Purely on a natural psychological level, there's a benefit to this, and we have all experienced this in one way or another. Um, so look at Psalm 32, for example. Psalm 32 is one of the penitential psalms, one of the psalms that refer to our, our awareness of sin and our need to, to confess it. And the psalm begins this way, Happy the sinner whose fault is removed, whose sin is forgiven. Happy those to whom the Lord imputes no guilt in whose spirit is no deceit. As long as I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I groaned all the day. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength withered as in dry summer heat. Then I declared my sin to you. My guilt I did not hide. I said, I confess my faults to the Lord. And you took away the guilt of my sin. So the, the, the burden in the soul of holding it in is now relieved by speaking it publicly. Now we see people publicly acknowledging their sinfulness also when they come to St. John the Baptizer to be, to be baptized. The Gospels tell us that the people came forward acknowledging their sins. And, and this is this is extremely uh, significant. But John, John was proclaiming a baptism of repentance, and he was saying, you know, look, in, in order to welcome the Messiah, we have to get out of our lives anything that would uh, would be an obstacle to receiving him. And, and, and so repent of, of, of your sins. And uh, here in Matthew chapter 3, for example, uh, verse 5, at that time Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, as they acknowledged their sins. Now, 
Just on a natural level, it is good for us to speak and acknowledge our sinfulness. On a supernatural level, God establishes a moment for us to do this in the presence of a priest. And a priest has been given the authority by Christ to forgive sins. This is something that is, is hard for some people to accept. They'll say, well, you know, the priest is a sinner too. Well, believe me, we know. Uh, we, we priests are sinners. Of course we are. We have to go to confession ourselves, by the way. If I want to go to confession, I have to go to another priest. I can't ab absolve myself of my own sins. I have to go to some other priest. So we know what, what confession is like, and we, we are under the same obligation as you are. Sure, the priest is a sinner, but so is the baker, and yet he can make good bread. So is the, the auto mechanic. He's, he's a sinner too, but he can fix your car when it needs to be fixed. The priest is a sinner, but he's also a priest, which means that Christ has given him the authority to forgive sins. We would not... I, I mean, how could we dare ever say to somebody, I'm going to forgive you your sins if we were doing that on our own authority well that 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 would be blasphemy as a matter of fact in the life of christ that's what some of the people thought he was doing one day remember the story of the healing of the paralytic look in mark's gospel in chapter 2 let's read this story because because they think that christ is 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 blaspheming it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered, so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door. And he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Uh, and then we read how they opened up the roof and they brought him down. And, and, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Now, brothers and sisters, when they say this, that only God can forgive sins, they are correct. What they're missing is the point that Christ is God. But listen how it goes further. Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves, so he said, Why are you thinking such thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, pick up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your mat and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone, they were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. God gave to his Son, Christ, as a man, the authority to forgive sins. Now, this is the same thing that Jesus has done for his priests. You can think of it this way. Does God have the authority to forgive sins? Yes, he does. Does God have the right to give that authority to somebody else if he wants? Well, certainly God can do whatever he wants. 
So if he tells us that he has given that authority to somebody else to exercise in his name, is it unreasonable to say that they can share in the power to forgive sins? No, it's not unreasonable. It's very reasonable. And so the question then that, that, then that we lead to is, well, has he in fact done so? Has God given the authority to anybody else to forgive sins? And we do in fact see that after his resurrection, Christ speaks to his apostles about the authority to forgive sins. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, he appears to them, risen from the dead. He says, Peace be with you. He shows them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoice. And then in verse 21 of John 20, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Now, there are several sendings in Christianity. The Father sends the Son. But the Son and the Father then send the Holy Spirit, and the Son sends the apostles. And he said here, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you retain, they are retained. Now, he's giving them the power both to forgive and to hold back the sins. How are they to know whether to forgive the sins or hold them back unless they know the sins? And so implied here is not only their authority to forgive the sins, but the obligation of the sinner to confess those sins. And confessing our sins to another human being, who is also a sinner, is humbling. But isn't that part of Christ's teaching also? He who exalts himself, the Lord tells us, will be humbled. But he who humbles himself shall be exalted. When we have the humility to, to get down on our knees and say, Lord, I have done wrong and I take responsibility for it. That is humbling, but then we are exalted with the forgiveness and the peace and the relief that comes from that. We all know what it's like to get a burden off of our shoulders. How many people are walking around today with great burdens of sins that they have not confessed for years? Nobody's ever ever heard it. Maybe they feel that nobody would understand them. Now is the opportunity that we have in this sacrament to tell another human being of our sins and to have that person nevertheless accept us and give us, in fact, the forgiveness of Christ. We have a, re a requirement, we have an obligation to confess. And what do we exactly need to confess? We are required to confess each and every mortal sin that we have committed, and of course that we remember. I mean, God does not expect the impossible. If we don't remember a sin, then we just don't remember it. He's not going to hold that against us. But we, we, we confess the mortal sins that we are aware of that we have committed, and we have to confess uh, the number of mortal sins, and again, this is in, in reasonably within how we remember them. I mean, some people come back to confession after 20, 30 years, and how are they going to remember exactly how many times they uh, they, they committed certain sins? Well, it, 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 God does not expect the impossible, but but we do have an idea whether we've committed them a whole lot of times or only once or only a few times. So at least we say to the best of our of our knowledge, the number of times and the kind of sin that it was. Now, this is an area 
where a lot of people are are just very confused. And I believe that this is a, one of the basic reasons why many people don't go to confession anymore because they haven't been told what to confess. And unless we know what the sins are, unless we no, have some idea of what sins are serious enough to be considered mortal sins and, and which ones are venial sins, unless we know that, how, how are we ever going to feel the obligation to go to confession? And there is thinking that goes around nowadays that says that, 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 that makes it almost impossible for for a person to ever think that they've committed a mortal sin. Well, it, 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 it's it's not as hard as many people think. Some people think that mortal sin means I have to look God right in the face and say I I I reject you. I don't want to have anything to do with God. Well, you know, not too many people say that. Some do, but. For the most part, that's not the kind of, of, of sin that we commit. The kind of sins we commit are sins where we, we, we're not abandoning our faith in God, but we're, we're doing something which God tells us not to do, or we are not doing something that God wants us to do. That's where, where the sin comes in, and those kind of sins can be mortal sins too, even when we're not rejecting God himself. We are rejecting the life of God within us any time we do, for any reason, something that is gravely opposed to the will of God. In other words, the sin is in the, the thing that we are doing with knowledge and freedom. So there's the three elements here. is, is the, the action itself has to be serious, and we're going to give you some examples of that. And that we have to know that this is seriously wrong, we have to be aware of it. Now, some people are doing wrong things and they've been told that they're right and they don't know any better. So, so, so they don't incur the guilt of the sin. They still do harm to themselves and to others, but it, it, it's not as though they are uh, um, guilty of the, of the mortal sin. But So they have to know, have some idea that, that this is seriously wrong. And, and, and thirdly, that it's truly their choice that they're doing it. They're, they're, they're doing this action freely. It's not something that they're doing in their sleep or under hypnosis or, or something that they're forced into. It is truly their choice when they know they could have done differently. Now, I'm going to take you through a list of questions as a reminder of some of the things that we need to be confessing. And it's going to be basically uh, based on the Ten Commandments. And let's just go through some of these questions very specifically to see what we're talking about. Have you ever hated God or lost faith in God? Now, of course, to hate God or to deliberately reject our faith would be a mortal sin. Have you ever done anything deliberately to hurt your faith? Have you hated any human being? That, too, when it is deliberate, hatred, unwillingness even to pray for the person, that that's a mortal sin. We can't cut another person off completely from our love without cutting ourselves off from God's love. Have we ever uh, used God's name in vain? Now, certain sins are going to be mortal only depending on the, the degree to which we we immerse ourselves in them. This this is um, not always in the in the grave category. Sometimes people just use God's name carelessly. 
but other times it can be if someone is really speaking speaking blasphemy and uh, insulting God directly. Have you ever wished a person dead or cursed someone? This again is is uh, very very grave. Have you missed mass? Now, if we miss mass deliberately on purpose, um, and when we when we could have gone, that is a grave sin. It's it's not a, a question of well, I, I couldn't get there. I tried. Um, I was traveling. I was sick. There are circumstances where we are excused from the obligation. But if we miss simply because we could have gone but we didn't want to, well, we're talking about a serious matter. Um, okay. Have we ever killed anyone? Have we ever uh, committed an abortion or 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 enabled another person? To have an abortion, this this is in the same category of seriousness, uh, mortal sins. Uh, have we used or sold drugs? Have we uh, become deliberately drunk? Uh, uh, the impairment of our reason deliberately by means of drunkenness would be also grave matter that we are obliged to confess. As uh, if we are married, uh, have we been faithful? If we are unmarried, have we had sexual relationships with anybody? Uh, this, these again, when we get into this area of chastity and, and, and human sexuality, this material is grave matter. If we do these things knowingly and deliberately, we have committed mortal sins, uh, lustful sins even of thought, when they are deliberate. Now here, we need to, again, make sure we know what we're talking about. We're talking about a situation where we knowingly and deliberately do this realizing that we could be doing something else. You know, when it comes to the area of thoughts, a lot of thoughts come into our mind when we we have neither invited those thoughts nor want them. They come in by themselves because we're always, you know, things are always around us and, and people are saying things and showing us things and we're in a society that is uh, uh, just filled with, with um, things for the senses and so our thoughts are, are not always uh, uh, under our control as far as what comes into our mind. What is under our control is as soon as we realize what's going on, we decide either to continue dwelling on it or we decide to gently go on to something else. And what we're talking about here with lustful thoughts is when we realize what's happening, we deliberately pursue or invite such thoughts. The use of artificial uh, birth control, again, is uh, uh, in this category of... Um, of grave matter. Now, as far as stealing is concerned, well, whether it's a mortal sin or a venial sin just depends on how much we have stolen. Um, lying, same thing. What is the lie? What did we say? How much did it hurt the other person? It could be mortal if it's uh, serious enough. So these are some of the examples of things that we are expected to uh, confess. Now, don't be afraid of confession. This is something which is it, it's an experience of, at the same time, humility and great, great freedom. Now, you may have been away from confession, or you may know someone who's been away for many years. It doesn't have to take any more than five minutes. If a person comes to confession and they really want to be forgiven, the, the, the main thing, the main element here, that you have to be aware of, of having is repentance. I am sorry for having offended God. That That's the main thing. You bring that contrition, as we call it, before the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry 
for any and every way that I've offended you and, and, and you know if you mean it. You just ask yourself sincerely, do I really mean it? Do I really want to be at one with God? Am I sorry for anything I did to offend him? Do I realize it was wrong? Do I want to try not to do it again? If that's your attitude, come. You will be assisted. If you're afraid you're not going to remember all your sins, tell the priest that. Say, Father, could you help me confess my sins? And what I have often done for many people who have been away for 20, 30 years or more is to simply go through a list like that, like I just gave you, and ask the person, please say yes or no. Have you ever done these sins? And they say yes, no, yes, no, and that's all they have to say. And then I'll, well, I'll ask them, well, has it happened a lot or, or a little bit or once? But it can really be very, very simple. You know, the devil wants to keep us away from the peace that comes from Christ. But Christ is ready to forgive any and every sin that we've committed if we are sorry for it. Come back to the sacrament. And it's very good when a person is confessing that they are really in touch with the fact that they themselves have offended God. And we're not just talking about things that we have done, but that we're also getting down to the to the attitudes that cause that. For example, for someone to come and to say, uh, you know, um, I, I, I called someone a name, that's one thing. But the, for the person to say, you know, I've really been been selfish in the way that I've been thinking. I've been expecting all people to to serve me and, 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 and people to make sure that things go right with me and I have been ignoring the fact that, that they have needs as well. Well, well, now this person is talking about something that's, that's rather substantial and, and that's something that the priest can then can work with them about. The confession is something which uh, is valuable. It's, ne it's absolutely necessary when we have a mortal sin. We need to get the confession as quickly as we can. But it's valuable also, even when we do not have mortal sins, to confess our venial sins and to do so frequently. Because remember, confession does not only give us the forgiveness of sins, it gives us grace to avoid sins in the future. And we can go to confession for that grace and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for all my sins, and I'll mention these particular ones that I'm aware of, but I also want the grace to avoid sin in the future. And brothers and sisters, the sacrament will give that to us. The value of frequent confession is something that the church teaches and will continue to teach and something that I encourage you very much to do. Don't let anything keep you away from this marvelous sacrament and from the peace that it brings. It is a sacrament of peace and we will continue reflecting on it in our next show on this series in the sacraments. Meanwhile, let's pray for each other. Let's pray for the whole world, and let's pray especially for those who might be far from this sacrament. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Thank you for listening with us today. Thank you for joining us for Reflections of the Sacraments, presented by Father Frank Pavone, Director of Priests for Life. 